Welcome to Rich Conversations. This is a fantastic episode. I'm excited to share it with you because it was so much fun to record. I actually went to Jonathan Hanau's studio in Edgewater, Chicago. It's a neighborhood here in the city, and uh, he's so talented. He's a composer and a pianist devoted to the surreal, minimal, abstract, and colorful possibilities of music. He actively embraces eclecticism and explores concepts that evoke a kaleidoscopic range of character. Great word. Like I said, I uh, went over to his place and we sat on his couch. We chatted for a little bit. He opened with a with a piece. He's got a baby grand piano in his, his place. And uh, he started and then he also concluded with a, a live performance. It's a lot of fun. We talk about his musical journey, creative process, and his debut album, Pieces I Wrote on a Cold Winter Night. And uh, I wanted to explore too, like what's next? He's super talented, like I said, and uh, so much fun sitting down and talking with him. You can find him on Instagram at Hanau. You can also find his music on Bandcamp and Spotify. This is really fun. I'm so excited to share this with you. So why don't we begin? Welcome to Rich Conversations. This is going to be a spectacular episode. This is a, a pretty unique one. So we are with pianist Jonathan Hanau in his own space here in Edgewater, Chicago. Uh, we're also drinking some uh, some coffee. I have my Chicago mug here. Thanks to Jonathan. And uh, we got... This is going to be different. This is, this is going to be really fun. We have a baby grand piano behind us. Jonathan is going to play some music for us shortly, and uh, we're just going to talk about music, what he's up to, his creative process, the emotions, and just like everything that goes into it. I'm so excited. Uh, Thank you, you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here having a conversation. See, I, love these. I don't know if I'm supposed to say like, thank you for having me, because you, <laughs> you have this beautiful space here. Uh, you're too kind. <laughs> the, the first thing I noticed when I walked in was this, uh, this, this bookshelf right here there's a ton of books and there's a ton of sheet music over there we did like well suzanne and i are well she's a much heavier reader than me but i uh we like collecting and we like finding trinkets you see there's a lot of art around the walls yeah. i have toy pianos lots of eccentricities and whatnot and we also have a, a tank have, we do have a turtle tank her name is peg she's a wonderful little turtle she might pop in to say hi while i'm playing who knows yeah this is a really cool space thanks for having me here more and, than happy. Uh, well, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. So, yeah, I, I mean, you did a really lovely uh, introduction <laughs> already, so thank you. But, yeah, I'm I'm also a composer. I, I'm a composer and a pianist uh, primarily at this point in my life. And uh, let's see. What, what else do I do? I work as a professional musician in the city of Chicago, and I am currently focused more on building a career that is becoming more performance oriented. I mean, I do a lot of collaborations and things like that with musicians around the city already. I do uh, projects, odds and ends, chamber music, all that stuff, as well as uh, I do a lot of solo music in the avant-garde and the contemporary music yeah. scene of Chicago. Uh, and I've also now started doing more, The it's genre is called neoclassical but more minimalist and ambient uh focused music that kind of stems from my own improvisations actually and my own improvisational uh voice yeah jonathan's really good <laughs> so, he's very talented uh i first i think i first met jonathan so i bartend on the weekends at a place called lincoln station fantastic spot and wonderful bar. the the music the music school of depaul it usually like hangs out there. It's kind of like a yeah. A lot it of musicians is the where we would go out. after yeah. concerts. And uh, Jonathan, John, I I don't even know what year this was, but what I appreciate <laughs> two things that I appreciate Jonathan that I haven't told him about. So one, one is when he comes in, he gets Buffalo Trace with a rock, and I just I love people that like know what know what they like. <laughs> And they like that's that's their thing. I try to keep it simple. I'm not and, complicated. Uh, when I say a rock, it's like a bigger ice cube. 
So it looks, it's kind of fancy. Yeah. Oh, I, I, lo- I like a, a fancy, fancy glass. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and Buffalo Trace is also one of my favorite bourbons. Probably like uh, Few, mm-hmm. Basil Hayden, and Buffalo Trace. Those are kind of my, my those are, favorites. Those are all wonderful. Yeah. You should try the quick tangent, but if you ever find the Few bourbon aged in scotch barrels. Ooh. Very good. That sounds adventurous. Yeah, it's really good, actually. <laughs> Highly right. If you see the bottle, just pick it up. It's Do you a- ever, because uh, I imagined, I've never actually started doing this or practiced this, but like in in life, like I just want to like calm and just play the piano and just sip some scotch or some bourbon. I do do that. Do you do that? <laughs> I do. When do I'm composing, that? yeah. I like, uh, I I mean, I know we're going to talk more about this later, I'm sure, but I recently got back from my residency. But when I am uh, composing at the piano, I generally like to have a little glass of scotch or bourbon okay. to kind of help with the creative process. <laughs> I don't say like, oh, I'm going to go through this whole bottle. That's a problem. Right. But I do like to have just a tiny bit that I have by my piano. And I just like to, I'll just take a little sip every now and then. But it, it yeah. keeps me relaxed. And like, and it, I, because I, use a lot of intuition in my writing and I use a lot of intuition musically these days. Like that's how I try to, that's my process now, which we will also talk about. I saw, but, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot of it that just kind of helps me like what keeps me creative, what keeps me happy. I love tasting bourbons and scotch and learning about them and learning about the differences, the qualities, the characteristics of it. And it's part of that. It's a fun, creative hobby that kind of helps me with even, with music yeah the second thing i like that you grew out your hair <laughs> thank you it is i should have done my hair today and it could have had the wild John, jonathan's the wild becoming name. like a rock star pianist <laughs> and when he comes into the bar with long hair he's just like he's just like you know just you're just yep i'm all for it i mean i didn't know that i would like having long hair i there was a point i almost cut it and then the more i kept going with it the more i was like you know what I think I'm just going to lean into this more. Yeah. Suzanne loves that it's like she's very jealous that it's this beautiful curly hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not obvious right now. But Suzanne has talked about how much she likes it. And it is a lot of work, but it's kind of become a part of me now. So I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I also just took brand new headshots recently, so I can't cut it now. <laughs> 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 that's that's a great excuse like mm-hmm. headshots oh, yeah the headshots um, are out i have the, a, the headshots it's like at least a year or two <laughs> yeah um wow. but thank you i'm glad uh, yeah i love it because i see like uh a lot of people i'm around they're just like they're doing just like awesome things with their lives and their crafts and they're just like honing everything and just like seeing the the growth and confidence in yourself inspires me and it's just like that's what it's about let's go yeah it's community focused like goal motivation i love that and i i love being around people who are also doing their thing and like doing it well and working on it like i am i like your writing i like what you do and you've always been such a wonderful person and like a very like cordial and very like easy to get along with and it's like i love that just the general like personalities that I, I get attracted to or I'm just like let's we can have conversations and we can talk about life and it's really it's just nice and I think that's part of just yeah. being human it's like that's what we look for yeah. like those relationships and then I come into your space and I'm like okay can we move that there it's all about can the I, aesthetic can I remove this from the outlet can I, <laughs> can I open these blinds <laughs> hey it looks good <laughs> good, like you got an eye for it i don't <laughs> that's not my thing again practice practice that's right the craft. practice but Everybody um, practice. yeah i'm hoping you can uh jump back here and play some music for us real quick you know yeah, like more than three four to. minutes yeah five, whatever you i will do. i'll share with you um one of the pieces that i wrote while i was i just got back from a residency uh uh in quebec uh called orford musique and so I was right working on an EP. I'll play for you one of the pieces that I so wrote this is there. New. This is brand new, yeah. Is this the um, first time anybody's hearing it? Some people have heard it now. Okay. It's been kind of like I've been um, playing it for friends and stuff like that. Sure. It's not out yet, though. I have to record it, and we'll talk later about the the upcoming EP. Yeah. But um, I can, I'll happily share uh, yeah, one of the tracks from it. This one's called... Uh, 
one summer's evening and it's got a little bit if you like uh miyazaki films so joe hisaishi the composer as well as uh jan tiersen like those kind of composers are fun for me this it kind of reminds me of that it's a waltz it's like it's a really charming little waltz so here here And that's that's referred to as a, a waltz. Yes, that would be it. I have I come from a more avant-garde, abstract background, like musically and my education and everything. And funny enough, I have never written a waltz in my life. And so when I was at this residency, I decided I would I would write a cute little waltz, and it would be purely like. Adorable. It was like adorable and dancey and very light and charming. And I was like, that's what I wanted to do. And that's what I went for. Huh. It does sound different than, than stuff you've done before. Right? It's very, very different. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So then how, like initially and at what age, what sparked your interest in piano? Yeah. So... I started piano lessons. I actually can give you the exact date. I had my oh, first piano lesson. You have a lesson. date? Yeah, October 23rd, 1997. Okay. That was when I first had my, my very, very first piano lesson. Was uh, it October 23rd, 97? Sorry? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's the date. Uh, I remembered it because I found one of my old notebooks when I was a kid, and the I looked at it, found the first date I ever had a lesson, and I just never forgot that. I have a horrible memory, <laughs> but... I remembered that, and that kind of stuck with me. But I started tinkering with keys. When, I mean, like, I was a kid. I was musically inclined. Like, my parents, like, my mom played guitar. My dad jokes, and he's like, I play the kazoo. <laughs> he can't do. <laughs> but my, like, grandpa was a, was a choir singer, and, like, my mom's side of the family all is artists. Like, my one of my uncles an abstract artist. The other uncle is a virtuosic pianist. Uh, and composer as well like there's a lot of music in my family and we had a toy piano growing up and I would just bash the crap out of it when I was a kid but I loved it and then eventually we got a hold of a Yamaha upright that I guess I'll talk about later as to like why I kind of wish I still had it but uh I would play on it as a kid and my mom taught me a few songs 
uh, like, you know, heart and soul and whatnot, the easy okay. ones and like how to play the melody. And so then they're like, okay, well let's, let's get you some piano lessons. So I started doing it and I fell in love with it. And then I was a, you know, a teenager and that was a rough, yeah. rough patch of, uh, I didn't I was going to quit or I didn't know I was like I want to play the saxophone or like yeah. the upright bass I was interested in other stuff but at that point I had gotten pretty good at the piano and my mom was like why would you do anything else you actually just know how to do this already so yeah. let's do that and then I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life in high school I was gonna go into history actually I think like go okay. into like ancient history was a thing I was super into, but I went to a music festival and I can't remember the name of it anymore, but I went to a music festival in when I was a sophomore in high school and it was my first time like going to like one of those like music institutes and I had the most fun and mm. I met uh, a bunch of like Juilliard prep kid like kids who were like studying at like the prep college at in New York City okay. and instead of being like disheartened because they were way better than me <laughs> i was very inspired and i was like you know what i love playing the piano and if they can do this then like man i can figure this out too so when i got back i started practicing like a crazy person just i was like and that is to say i'm a lot healthier in the way i practice now <laughs> but when i was in high school i did i was like the more hours the better so i was clocking four or five hours a day and just like sitting there like learning repertoire i eventually i went to tanglewood the year after when i was in high school so that was kind of cool i was like oh okay i guess i'm getting better but i suffered from performance anxiety all through college like i love playing the piano but i really in front of people yeah i had i was terrified to play in front of audiences it was really weird that i just never got over that hump but i mean i'm over i'm like I love playing in front of people now. But yeah. yeah, there was a point in my life where I was terrified to like play Beethoven, play bo- play anything cuz I was like I'm going to have a memory slip, I'm going to mess up, I'm going to do this. Like I was just like constantly hampering myself. When you perform now, how many times do you screw up? Oh, all the time. But like But no one but notices. No one noticed. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's like a thing. The piece, I did not screw up in the piece I just played, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> but the uh that is actually a thing that i like got okay with because one of the biggest lessons i learned from my my piano teacher my undergrad she taught me to like be okay with imperfections you are human like you are going to make mistakes and so it's about understanding the music and it's about making a beautiful sound or making the sound that you need to for the job so my whole focus when i play is thinking about sound and it, okay. which helped me a lot with like going into avant-garde music and going into more contemporary performance practice because I process noise as music and that's how I, I use it as an expressive device. It's not something that's like foreign to me. It's something that's mm. part of who I am and like taking that idea of sound and how do we manipulate it, use it for expressive purposes, regardless of the genre is what it keeps me... Uh, excited to perform but also like relieves a lot of the anxieties of what performance was for me before which was don't make a mistake yeah now it's about just make the music worth it for the listener like what does the audience want to hear or experience wow so you're practicing like four or five hours a day in (laughs) high school yeah just about so what are you practicing? Like what uh, are you now or when I was uh, uh, back then? Like sure. are you are you like listening? Are you influenced by certain uh, musicians and artists? Mm-hmm. Are you like just improvising? Are you taking? Are you listening to the radio? Because mm-hmm. at this point, I think the radio was still popular. Yeah, radio was a big thing. And, and it was iTunes, like all the top like early iTunes, like, uh-huh. iTunes. Yeah. yeah, like so what? As, kinda... as as someone uh, who lives beneath an apartment that's learning piano. Oh, gosh. So, uh, <laughs> so sorry. it's a joy. It's really a joy. Uh, so there's they must have like two kids because there's a baby yeah, yeah. that's crying a lot. And then <laughs> someone that's like every now and then practicing. It's like, yeah, oh, they're, get, they're getting better. That's amazing. I, I actually like it. I enjoy yeah. it. But uh, what? 
what are you occupying those hours of practice with? Sure. And, and I guess I think this even can apply to today. I, I take my approach is very, very different now. But when I was when yeah, when I was growing up and figuring my life out and figuring out what, what I wanted to do, um, funny enough, I was terrified of improvisation. The idea of improvising was scary because well, you're also a teenager right yeah so i was a teen- like, i just you're like i just wanted to play the music that i liked uh i was i love rachmaninoff i would probably okay. say rachmaninoff was big uh chopin i, I like you know, i went down that whole classical rabbit hole i was like really okay. into beethoven and doing all of that you know learning the classics because that's what i was told to learn and do but like i, I was yeah. into it and i was playing lots of fun repertoire i think the biggest thing for me i i I don't like competitions but i did compete regularly in high school and i did win a concerto competition i played the saint sans piano concerto when i was a junior in high school with an orchestra and that was amazing haven't done that again since then i i just i really don't like competing um but i did that and that kind of told me that i was like you know what i do really like performance but for me, the hard thing was, what do I do as a performer? I was still figuring that out. And I liked playing classical music, but I was like, in my brain, I think I had to become, or I was, there was something about society that was said, you have to become like a tournament classical pianist, like become one of those top guns who like goes to those internationals and does that for a living. And I'm like, that was terrifying. The whole idea of it was terrifying to me. I was like, I just want to play small, intimate spaces and share more intimate programming with people. But I didn't know that was a thing when I was in high school or college. Like I, I only thought it was play classical music and then become a teacher and then become a university professor. Yeah. And like a pretty linear path. Yeah, it yeah. was very linear. I was a when I was in college, I was like, I'm gonna get a doctorate in music theory. I was like, I wanted to get a become a theory professor, because again, performance was such a a, a hard thing for me to deal with. But then somewhere along the way, I uh, started picking up composition. Uh, yeah. at, when I was at Boston University, I picked up composition. I, I spent two years there before I left because I couldn't afford it anymore because okay. school's expensive. But I was there and I started lessons because of this composer named Ketty Nez, who I adore. She was my theory teacher. Um, we actually keep in contact still. She's lovely. Uh, seek her out. She's really interesting. I love nice. her music. But uh, Ketty Nez, and um, what happened was she kind of encouraged me to start writing more and was like hey i actually like your ideas and you actually are you're writing cool interesting music and maybe this is a thing you start thinking about so in my brain who suffered from performance anxiety was like oh if i become a composer then i don't have to perform anymore people (laughs) do it for me (laughs) so i started doing that more okay became a double major and then left the school and then took a year off worked and then moved to Chicago to finish up at DePaul University, got my composition okay. degree, and essentially went to Roosevelt for my master's. The rest is history. Along that way, I started doing, at DePaul, I became the pianist for 20-plus ensemble and was introduced to uh, avant-garde and contemporary music uh, from um, Michael Lewanski, the conductor there. Okay. And so I started playing wild composers that I had never heard of who are alive today, um, or were considered contemporary, more abstract, that modern, really intense, uh, hyper polyrhythmic, really complex music, and I fell in love with it. So you you heard the avant garde, and you're like, yeah, and what I is should, this? I I like this stuff. Yeah, and actually, I should even reference like when I was in high school, I fell in love with composers like Ligeti, John Cage, uh, George Crumb, like all those okay. experimental ones that they teach you in history class. And so I was really into super weird music growing up. And I guess, yeah, I'll talk about more about my musical taste. It's all over the place these days, or even in high school. But I took a lot of that, but then put it away when I went to my undergrad. Like, there was a love for it, but I was always too intimidated by it to pursue it or understand it. But I do have John Cage's 433 hanged on. I see that, yeah. yeah. It's on the wall, and that's the first thing I learned about, and I've 
well, as a high schooler, I thought that was the coolest thing. Yeah. And uh, moving forward, I didn't do any contemporary until I moved to Chicago and started having to play in the 20 plus ensemble. And so I was start, I, the first piece I ever played in that group was a piece by a composer named Salvatore Sherino, who's one of okay. my favorite Italian avant-gardists. I recently played a, a show. I did a constellation. I played his second piano sonata, which was a terrifying piece. I'll show you the score after I'll, I'll, show, I'll show you what I mean. But, uh, I played that piece by him. And then I also play works by Lahemon. I started learning about Rebecca Saunders, other kind of composers. I got into just more abstract, like extended techniques okay. on the piano, learning how to read graphic scores, learning how to do harmonics, plucking strings, muting strings, doing all sorts of weird stuff on the piano. But I was, I felt comfortable for me and I loved doing it. And it also was an outlet for me to be more expressive because I was really struggling with classical music at that time. But doing okay. avant-garde stuff was really, really freeing for me because there's something about it because it's very abstract and most of the time atonal, like doesn't have a key. Didn't matter if I messed up. <laughs> no one, like there, you wouldn't know if I made a mistake. Huh. So that really kind of helped me a lot as a like getting more into it. So then when I went to Roosevelt, I was playing more piano and became a chamber pianist. I was I was in an ensemble called Ursa Ensemble for a very long time, and that really shaped how I learned to play with other people. And it was one of the most like wonderful experiences of and also really taught me to be more confident and i played a lot of classical music okay. there so i got over my fear of brahms i got over my fear of mozart schubert and started enjoying the process of learning these classical these more classical uh, composers that we know and just finally also started improvising more and i because okay. i got church jobs so I became a church mm. musician and they were like, we need prelude music. And I was like, I didn't learn anything. I didn't practice any music for prelude. So I started making things up <laughs> and uh, I, people started really responding to me just improvising music. And eventually it became part of my creative process actually. Cause when I was doing composition, I was taught very rigorous compositional techniques and practices. So like I did a lot of pre-compositional planning. I would have like charts. I'd have like okay. equations. I'd have pitch class sets, all this stuff. that's just like, how do you craft the perfect piece? This is like uh, when they, on like TV shows, mm -hmm. like the FBI goes in and they yeah. catch the serial killer and they look and he's got this huge like poster board with all these magazine clip outs and, yeah, and, and pinpoints like <laughs> <laughs> i looked like a conspiracy theorist with all the stuff everywhere yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. is gonna make the best piece and so that's how i was i was i gave i mean like i'm very thankful for all the techniques and the ways of learning how more uh in a way academic composers but also like the more abstract thinkers of the 20th century thought okay uh and i i use those approaches because i was really interested in noise uh, Rebecca Saunders is a composer who I absolutely adore and is one of my favorites. She's a she's a uh, British-born German composer who lives in who resides in Europe and like her music kind of really inspired me to become more of a noise artist and focusing on the concept of noise, noise artist. and pitch. Yeah, and so that was a part of who I became. And then I also started doing uh, actual noise uh, improv gigs. So I have a toy piano and I plugged it to a pedal chain and I used it as a percussion instrument and it became wow. like a very weird thing. Huh. So I was doing a lot of just really out there stuff for a while. I once played a video game as part of a set. Like I literally plugged in my Nintendo DS to my amplifier and played a, played a round of Smash Brothers while my other friend, she was improvising stuff over that. Really? Yeah. So huh. like... You know, a DIY noise venue at like a small art gallery, make enough money for a beer. It's, it's a good time. Um, so, so, okay. So then how do yeah. you, so there's all this, you Stuff. know, practice and learning uh -huh. and influences. <laughs> how then, because now you're building up quite like, um, I don't know what you call it, like a rap sheet or a resume or yeah. you have like t at least two albums that I know of. Mm -hmm a few EPs and you just wrote like another one <laughs> in Montreal and like yeah. 
So how do we what get is, there? What is the creative process? I know, like, I went to a show totally. uh, recently. Was that December or January? Which one? At Space? October. Oct- okay. When I did that. No, no worries. Time is a lie. Time, time. Time is a lie. What we is just, time? We, we're two and a half years in the pandemic. I don't even know. So, uh, so that was in uh, that was in Evanston. And it was a yeah. space. And, like, I mean, there were, like, there were a lot of people there. There was, like, 200 people there. Yeah, and uh, I, I filled the room. And uh, so he's that. he's up there on stage with this this big piano, and uh, I'm I'm like I was actually sitting against the wall, and the lighting was like it's a really cool space. It's a beautiful it's space. It's a beautiful. It's, space. it's called space. <laughs> it's called space. It's space. <laughs> and uh, and you played the entire album, and I just like put my head on the wall, and I just like drifted away. So, yeah. And that album in particular is called uh, Songs I Wrote on a Winter Night. Pieces I Wrote on a Pieces Cold I, Winter Night. Pretty okay. much. Yeah, I know. It's kind of convoluted. I won't lie. But uh, yeah, it's a, yeah, Pieces I Wrote on a Cold Winter Night. So I'll fast track this whole thing here because I, I tangented. But anyway, so that whole, like this newer writing, essentially I'm in a newer writing style and a newer kind of more creative and free process at the moment like in my writing okay. which is why i think things are just coming out very rapidly well that's that's another thing too i was curious about is because yeah. like you're doing all this learning and then now you're you're like just pumping stuff out yeah so i i have to thank a little bit of i i take a very intuitive approach now to writing so when i said before i learned really rigorous compositional processes mm-hmm. eventually I started relying on my gut to work on these pieces. I had okay. a I had another teacher who's the funny like I will this will forever be ingrained in my mind. I bring it a little piece to her. She's like I show it to her. She's like this is an amazing academic piece. I think mm-hmm. you hate it. <laughs> and I was like, "Okay." So that stuck with me and I had there was a lot of rethinking I had to do, but eventually it started to become this thing where I was like, okay, I have this idea. What if I just kind of trust my gut a little bit more about how to write it musically and expressively? I can get the idea that I want, but what if I rely on myself rather than all these graphs and charts? Yeah. So I started writing more pieces where I would be like, okay, I'm going to just kind of trust the flow of it. And it started working out great. And I took that approach. And as an improviser, I run this series called Music Stillness Solidarity. And I literally improvise for a full hour without stopping every tuesday 5 30 to 6 30 on twitch and now at saint vincent de paul catholic church in person but i run for an hour like without stopping so i force myself to come up with material as i go and i do have my like i have my trusted gimmicks and things like that like improvisers have things that work for them right we have our our list our bag of tricks and that kind of helps me with the process so People started asking me, like, when are you going to start writing this stuff down? Because I love listening to it. It's really expressive. It's really beautiful. It sounds like you. Why is this stuff not available for me to listen to? Mm. And I was like, you're right. So I went to Banff in 2019. I applied for a residency there to write a piano album of this kind of stuff. I started writing more minimal. I, I started shifting my style to polyrhythmic minimalist uh complex music like writing beautiful lyrical things but that's a little bit of a tinge of okay. difficulty to it yeah and i really started enjoying that and it was really easy for me to write i wrote mm. the first piece in 2018 my wife dropped me off suzanne dropped me off at a shout out coffee suzanne. shop shout out to suzanne who actually started this whole thing of of, of, of the of the people who really pushed it she dropped me off at a coffee shop and said figure it out because we did this minimalist concert together, and that was the first piece I ever wrote for this concert was in 2018. And she dropped me off at a shop and said, "Don't come home until it's done." So I wrote this piece, <laughs> and I and like that piece, I brought it to Banff. People really responded to it. Next year, I go to Banff to write the rest of the album, okay. and I wrote the whole thing in the mountains in two weeks. I wrote this entire piece in 2019, and then the pandemic happened and. I took time to really process and think. And what I was doing during the quarantine, I produced an album, uh, which is the uh, Cafe at the End of the World, which yeah. I saw. And it's on Spotify. Yeah, Give it a listen. It sounds, please. If you're looking for something uh, to, to study to or to relax to or, um, you know, just like 
casual meditation, mm-hmm. you know, put it on. Like I think in our one of our last episodes, we had someone in Paris and he talked about listening to Interstellar and Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Hans Zimmer. And uh, put on some some Jonathan Hanna. Hey. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And yeah, it, yeah, it's uh it's a lot of that same stuff like I really like the pandemic kind of turned it into like what if I just started making music for people to relax to and be yeah. more centered and be more allowing themselves to kind of escape because reality is a bit rough at the moment. <laughs> we yeah. can agree. So, I started writing more peaceful music for me and for other people and uh eventually so yeah during covid i was i started recording my improvisations i still ran my series but i would just stream it over twitch and then i picked up some nicer Mm. microphones started collecting clips and so the cafe at the end of the world that album is all improvised clips like i just went through my streams and i would just pick sections of music that i liked and then i would just take those clips and then i would take it into logic and i manipulated them and did electronic stuff with it so i was like Oh, I can time stretch this. I can add reverb here. I would just do fun things with it. So it was a really just fun, freeing project for me to do, which eventually culminated in an album. I was like, oh, I have an album. (laughs) Might as well put it out. So I did that. I also recorded some songs I wrote for friends, and that was my first EP. Um, It's it's some short songs on Spotify, and then on Bandcamp it's called... uh, excuse me uh songs without words volume one okay so it's a little convoluted a little confusing but you can find it on spotify it's for 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 friends and then obviously i wrote this uh this bigger album uh, pieces i wrote on a cold winter night that album is available right now on Bandcamp. if you look up scripts records or if you look up my name with pieces and winter you will find it immediately on any google search my name is really easy to find fortunately uh but i wrote this album applied for a grant i got a d case grant in two and what was it 2020 or 2021 2021 i got a okay. i got a d case grant to record and release it so i recorded it at roosevelt university in guns hall with my with my friend aaron Gottel and uh science like put it out with scripts records and did a release show at space and it that that whole culmination really was like the that was the that night was like I want to do this. Like, this is what I want to be yeah, doing with tell. my life. It was so wonderful and such a beautiful experience. And like that shifting into this minimalist ambient style of writing has led me to a lot more collaborations recently, a lot more uh, people being interested in finding out what I'm doing. Like yeah. it's been very productive and that's been inspiring me to put more stuff out. That's when he started growing the hair longer. And then the hair started growing longer. <laughs> like, oh, now, sh- shoot, I, yeah, yeah, I can I can do this. I think part of it is like also I've always loved emo and punk music growing up and I still listen to punk rock today and I like that's like my most listened like genre is one of my big genres and so I'm like, well, I'm not going to become a punk rocker anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I want to. So, I'll just write emo piano music. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, it's been it's been a really fruitful and beautiful journey and i've well, i am way happier now with the mm-hmm. composition so getting into that next thing is like how do i use intuition a lot of the way i write now is i think about what i want to do like okay so last yesterday i wrote a piece that was in like c sharp minor and it was a nocturne and it was a little darker and this and that and like that i'll like come up with a thing and be like okay i want to write a moody piece today so okay. now when you say you say right yeah. are you like do you play it and record it and then like then think of the notes what i that do? you played or do you okay, write I, it I and then you play it so it's a little bit of both actually okay. so i i like to start with improvisation that's my dog macy by the way i like to start with improvisation so i'll i'll okay. kind of futz around on the piano uh with a glass of bourbon i'll futz around on the piano and i'll come up with a a a small motive or like kind of melodic idea that i really like or like a chord progression and i'm like oh okay i can work with this and then i'll write it down and i actually one of my my biggest practices that has stuck with me no matter what genre or what kind of music i've been writing i always handwrite everything Mm. Uh, so i handwrite my scores i can even show you one right now if you'd like yeah let's bring one out here here so hold on
guess you can show. I'll show the camera. Yeah. So this is one of the pieces that I wrote huh. while I was in residence this uh, these these last few weeks. It looks like the Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So I, I really love um, I really love the practice of handwriting uh, on paper, and for me, that's personally a little bit more authentic for who I am. And then what I do is I put this into a computer so that yeah. it's legible for others. But when I first write a piece, it's always uh, done by hand, and this it's is, this is probably what like classical artists used to do, right? Yeah, they yeah, would just, yeah, just write it by write hand. It, so right it's a I would come up with a motive or a little idea, which you see at the very be that first measure is like, oh, I improvised that and I kind of liked it and I stuck with it. And then I wrote it down and just started like I. So when I was writing, I'll play at the I'll be at the piano, play a little bit. Oh, I like that. Write it down. And then as I progress through the piece, I'll come up with different sections or I'll be like, oh, I have to change something here now. So I'll change to a B section or do something different to kind of give it a little life because I don't like being stagnant for too long i like to keep okay. the listener on their toes now what do you put more time into mm -hmm. the writing of your music <laughs> or coming up with the titles of the songs <laughs> that you write uh, you should see you should titles. see his titles his titles are like uh they're wild Here, like what do i do uh, what what would be one? It'd be I, like I really like the staring out the window on a cold winter. There are like long. They're long and drawn descriptive. Out. Yeah, the um the 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 pieces I wrote on a cold winter night. That one, the the title of the album is long, but the pieces are those are short. Like one of them is return, the other one's mountain, icicle. Very simple descriptors was okay. what I went for with that one. But for the cafe at the end of the world, that's the one that like is long and convoluted and i'm actually a big fan of those titles let me pull let me pull up a few because i can't remember them and they are really they are kind of obnoxiously long it's funny i like yeah. it i dig the it first the first one's called it's it actually kind of has a weird surrealist narrative i love okay. surrealism that's one of my big actually influences artistically but uh hello friend what can i get for you so it's kind of like you arrive at the cafe and then boulders float along in the distance Staring out the window blankly, coffee getting cold. The ocean is a peaceful place, don't you think? <laughs> Outside, a train rolls by without making a sound. Like, I like doing weird, like, they don't make too much sense, but they kind of pique your interest. As a listener, you don't know if, like, uh, you spent an hour on that title or, like, two seconds. You know? <laughs> yeah. He was like, did he it's just phone like, oh, that he, in? What's he going for there? You know, like art, art critics spend like two days analyzing it. Uh, oh, man. Critics would hate to know that most of the time I just kind of trust my gut. I'm like, good enough. Well, I think that's I think that speaks to like true, true artists is like they just express themselves. They just yeah, put it's, it out. It's there. freeing. Like I have unlocked something. I, I mean, like where we've kind of like led up to in this whole like talking about my creative process. I think I've laid it out kind of well uh let me know if you if there's a hole but uh going eventually to the idea of using trusting your intuition trusting your gut and trusting yourself as an artist to actually get the job done from point a to point b yeah. so a lot of it comes down to confidence in the end like i'm really happy with the way i'm writing and i know that i can come up with an idea easily now because i've practiced this process of improvisation and intuitive practice for so long that i'm like i come up with an idea and i stick with it yeah and i'm like you know what let's see it to the end because again like better to put out music and be like actively like not hitting writer's block but just being like hey i wrote this piece and i'm happy with it i'll put it out into the world and like being okay not everyone's going to love it that's but that's not the point it's just right. about being your authentic self and i think that's yeah that was the biggest hurdle for me was becoming an authentic or to myself more authentic and more honest with myself as an artist and what I wanted to be doing instead of listening to what people were telling me to do. Yeah, that is, that's that advice right there. It's worth like a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. Like do what makes you happy. If you are not happy and you're doing an art and you're miserable, you have to, it there's a i feel like you have to rethink some things yeah because life 
it's, it becomes difficult, right? Like right. It, it's it's hard to get stuff out. It's hard to trust yourself and be true to yourself. So now you you wrote this album about winter. Yes. So now are you you gonna, you know, yeah. That was just one season of the four. That's right. <laughs> I should, you know, I should explore the the other I, seasons. I am actually, yep. I I am intending to write three more albums of the seasons, and so I or for this past residency, that was just for an EP, which I'll talk about a little. But I will be headed to Avalok uh, Farms in okay. June to actually write the next season, because okay. uh, that was my proposal. So is this going to be summer now? Yeah, yeah, summer. Because I was like, am I going in June or May? I'm going in June, so it'll be summer. So okay. I'll be working on a summer album, and then hopefully I'll get fall. I'll get around to fall and eventually spring. So there, there is a trajectory, and each album yeah. will be about an hour long. So my yeah. grand culmination of a four-hour-long performance one day will happen. So keep an eye out for that. <laughs> yeah, that's a. Uh... There will be breaks. four four hours. Yeah. Okay. There will be breaks. Oh I, yeah, I don't. There'll want... be breaks between seasons yeah, or something. Probably. Yeah. I sh- I should. Everyone. I want to personally play it four hours without stopping, but everyone is not me, so I will have breaks. <laughs> that's the. Uh, that's again going back to the the serial killer conspiracy yeah. theorist. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna do it in I'm four going hours to do this straight. Thing that straight. no one wants, but I want to. <laughs> But yes, that, so there is a there is a, a set in mind now for this larger perform uh, this larger project of mine, and that yeah. will be the four seasons. That's uh, that's yeah. gonna be exciting. I'm, I'm yeah. What about then, some vinyl, I need some like uh, one piano day, man, vinyl, man. There will vinyl will happen. That's like one of my dreams in life is vinyl will happen. I, vinyl will happen. I promise. <laughs> although although vinyl's in a shortage at the moment, so it'll take a few. Years, I heard I that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but it will happen. We're kind of uh, wrapping up here on our time. Um, as we go out, I would love for you to play some music. Sure. After I ask you, what are you most excited for in the next two years? What am I the most excited for? I am excited to be working with this new record label that I recently signed with. They're called Little Symphony Records, and they, I joined their roster recently, and that's actually I. So I was uh, writing an EP at Orford Musique for them. That was my okay. the, my recent residency was writing this uh, six five or six track EP. I have I ended up writing seven pieces, so I got to kind of pick and okay. choose now when you say residency what exactly do you mean by that a residency is a yeah it's a it's a, essentially a uh it's a space that's given to artists to allow them to work on their creative process without interruptions so breakfast lunch and dinner is is sorted out for me like i just go to the cafeteria the dining hall <laughs> they have it already made they house me they give me a place to sleep i have my own studio with a piano in it with a desk and I can lock the door, and I can just sit there for hours and just write music. I put, I tell in my emails, I'm away, don't bother me. Yeah. And I sort out my, my work, but it's a space. And normally they're, they're in beautiful areas and environments. Like Orford is in a national park in Quebec uh, in a suburb called Magog outside of uh, Montreal. And I was just in nature. And I could just walk around in the the nature preserve, get inspired by the world, and then go to my studio and write a piece. Same thing with like going to Banff, the Center for the Arts, and Avalok is also a beautiful place. But like, it gives you a world where you are you don't have to go to meetings or anything. It just gives you the space to work on yourself as an artist. And I love residencies for that because I'm very self motivated. So you put me in a place. Where yeah. no one's gonna bother me, I will write a whole album. Yeah, <laughs> guaranteed. And you have <laughs> so far, and I have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why don't you uh, play some some stuff for us uh, to close out our uh, podcast episode? Sure. So this one is called uh, "Waves at the Beach." This one's very chill.
actually, this is what you would have heard this piece. Okay. Um, I think it's. I'll play the one that it's the crowd favorite. Let's do that. It's Mountain. Give the people what they want. This is the one that I love to play the most. And also it's very dense.
Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank this you has for been me. This fantastic. Yeah. yeah, thanks for having me in your space. And of course, uh, well, you're welcome anytime. Thanks for listening to Rich Conversations. Again, you can follow Jonathan on Instagram at J A Hanau and check out his music on Bandcamp and Spotify. Take some time today to uh, be reflective, relax, and appreciate the arts. Have a fantastic day.